this is Sarah O'Connell. And this is Jonah Trebowasser. And welcome back to another edition of Radio Rotary. Each week we chat with your neighbors about great things happening in your community and around the world. People applying Rotary's motto of service above self. And Jonah, are, today our special guests are fellow Rotarian Roger Lane. And with him is Sarah Wilbur discussing good news about medical transplants and updates and dialysis. And welcome to Radio Rotary. Good morning, Sarah. Thank you. And good morning, Roger. Good morning, Jonah and Sarah. And hi, Sarah. And All right. There's been a lot be, of Sarahs in the house. But only one today. Jonah and only one Roger. <laughs> That's right. But anyway, well, let's, let's start getting some uh, medical terms out so people understand what we're talking about. What is dialysis? It's a process to clean your blood. All right. And when would this hmm. be used? When you have uh, what's called end-stage renal disease or kid- total kidney, kidney failure. Now, of course, people at home can't see this, but you're wearing official nursing-type scrubs. I am because I'm officially working today. Right. <laughs> and So you're a registered nurse? Yes, I am. And where, um, and where are you? I work for the Columbia Green Dialysis Centers in Catskill and Ghent. We have a dual unit. Mm-hmm. And um, I am the nurse manager of a peritoneal dialysis center in both places. And where does that? What does that mean? Speaking of medical terms, peritoneal. It's a type of dialysis that's done at home that patients learn to do independently. It does not actually clean their blood. It's actually a process that uses your peritoneal cavity, which is an internal part of you that most people don't know you have. It now, works as a membrane. Now, uh, dialysis for people who just maybe see it on medical shows mm-hmm. on TV or, or hear or know somebody who might have it, they get hooked up to a machine, it's a pump, and the b- blood pumps out, and it's filtered somehow and pumps back in? Is that the way Hemodialysis correctly, yes. Yeah. The way your kidneys work is they, if they're working correctly, mm-hmm. they have little filtering mechanisms called nephrons. There's right. about a million in each right. kidney. They filter all the blood that comes through and take out waste products and water and make urine. Mm-hmm. When your kidney function gets down to less than 20%, then you need some kind of what's called renal replacement function or dialysis or transplant. And so this is, obviously, it's connected to kidney disease. Yes, chronic kidney disease, yes. kidney Mm -hmm. failure or things like that. The end result of chronic kidney disease can be dialysis. Okay, and how is that linked? We're talking about transplants and things like that. Are kidneys something that are easily transplanted? Is Is that a surgery that is considered successful? Yes. And probably 95% of the time, a kidney transplant is successful. Yeah, I know. It's uh, not easy, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know a young man who had nephrosis. Yes. Uh, I, I know that. That's a $50 it, word. Yes. Well, I, I had that as a child, and uh, I was one of the few in those days that survived. But this young man had a kidney transplant from his father. Mm-hmm. Living so, well, I was going to ask, there must be some type of requirements that people are compatible. That, that right. Is it matching? Is that what it for? Yes, you have to have matching antigens, at least certain, so many points. I don't personally do transplant, but right. we do refer patients to transplant. Roger can speak and speaking to that. Okay, Roger, then here he is. Let's segue, right? Enjoying the sight. <laughs> I know. Roger, he's, he's, been, he's been chomping I've at been, the bit. Roger's I've been through more, the wall. Let's, yeah. let's segue right our, here. Our studio audience, Roger Lane, is an outstanding Rotarian. And Roger, what club do you belong to? A Catskill Rotary. Right. And uh, what's your interest in all this? Well, I'm a, I'm a transplant patient. Is that I'm, right? I'm a, a kidney patient by uh, PD dialysis and also by hemodialysis. I've done it all. Wow. And uh, what, So have, do you have a new kidney? Well, I had a new kidney in 1995, and it, and it worked goodness. for me for five years. Okay. And then what happened? Well, Roger? I went through what's called chronic rejection. So there, there your are two body kind of, didn't like your kidney? 
Well, there are two kinds of rejection. There's acute rejection and chronic rejection. Chronic rejection happens over time. Mm-hmm. And when you go through chronic rejection, it's pretty much the same as when you're a normal person losing kidney function. Right. Uh, acute rejection usually happens right after transplant. And that's when your body decides, uh-oh, there's something foreign there. I need to get rid of it. Gotcha. Right. So the, they have medications that will mask that kidney and make things settle down. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, after my transplant in 95, I actually went through three acute rejections mm. and was able to keep that functioning kidney for five years and after that. Where did your kidney come from? Um, I don't know the donor. Okay, so well, it was through well, a donor it was program, a, it was a cadaveric, not, a, uh, not a sibling or something yeah, like that. It was that. a cadaveric donor. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. And, uh, I didn't of, realize they were doing kidney transplants back in the 90s. I thought actually, it was kind of a, more of a recent... Actually, they started doing transplants at Albany Medical Center in 1959. No Wow. And kidding. I was privileged to meet the surgeon who did the first kidney transplant mm-hmm. in 1959. He was still working at Albany Med, semi-retired in 95. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, he was quite a gentleman. Now, uh, let me ask a, a question of our, uh, our guest, Nurse Sarah Wilba. Um, how would people know, listening at home, if maybe they've got uh, a kidney problem that involves visiting the doctor in early stages, what kind of symptomology would people be looking out for? That's an interesting question. Unfortunately, there are not a lot of symptoms in the early stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an insidious disease that sneaks up on people. Right. Usually it's found by their primary care physician or a screening, and they look at your blood work and your kidney function. They're looking right. at what's called the estimated glomerular filtration rate. Okay. Through your and blood, mean? Yes, blood, when you go for a regular blood test and your right. doctor uh-huh. sends you for some blood work, a routine right. physical. In New York State, the law is that they must post at the very bottom of your labs what your uh, filtration rate is so your primary care physician can tell whether or not you have any kidney uh, disease ongoing. So that's why it's so important to have an annual physical. And, yep, and, 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 and annual to, blood work. Yes, and right. screening when it's available. Mm-hmm. And uh, to take us through the steps, Roger, of, of what dialysis is all about. Um, you know, you have this, again, this vision from the Well, everybody, everybody sees the machine on right. TV, and uh, it's really nothing to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are three ways that they can access okay. to filter your blood for hemodialysis. All three ways they have to penetrate to get into your system to get the blood out and put it back. So that's a nice way of saying there's needles involved. There can be. Okay. Okay. Uh, the, the one method of uh, filtration, they use uh, a catheter that's actually placed in your chest. Mm-hmm. Is that and something that you walk around with? That's you walk around so with you all the time. you already have yeah. a, a It's called a permacath. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. And then yeah. you screw in or Well, you don't other. do it. The nurse does it. Okay. Yeah. The nurse connects uh, arterial and venous. The so arterial takes the blood out. Mm-hmm. The venous returns the blood. Mm-hmm. Okay. It goes through the machine, it's filtered, and it returns. So it's like a little portal. That's right. And how yeah. long does it take usually? Well, some patients are on for three hours. I happen to be three hours, 45 minutes. Some patients go as long as four hours. And That's how? usually the And you're at the medical office. facility. You're at the I, medical I, I facility. I go to the this. dialysis unit uh, in Catskill at uh-huh. Columbia Green Dialysis Center. And uh, you're there for usually about four and a half hours with the preparation and, and follow-up. And how often? Three days a week. Three days a week. Yeah, so I go every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So, Sue, is this a busy uh, center? 
the yes, Columbia Green Dialysis Center? Yep. We have two centers, one on each side of the river. Uh-huh. Um, we handle a hundred, approximately 120 patients in that neighborhood. Is this an expensive this procedure? I mean, can you talk about the three and four hours of, of medical attention in a big machine that's yes. probably an expensive can machine? Can be, yes. Medicare pays 80% of most, okay. di- most dialysis patients. Right. And right. the other 20% is usually picked up by private insurance or Medicaid. Right. And, you know, uh, the great thing, uh, uh, Roger, is that this obviously hasn't slowed you down because you're one of our most active Rotarians in the mm-hmm. district, and you're hale and hearty, and you look great. And until you just told me that you're on dialysis, I would never suspect that you had any medical problems. Uh, I fool a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, is this the kind of thing that, you know, wears people down, or is it something that, as you said, they shouldn't be afraid of? That it'll, it'll, it'll give them a, le- a new lease on life. A lot of it has to do with the way the person takes the process. Right. If you go into it positively and you pay attention to what's going right. on, uh, it, it's a positive experience. Yeah. Now, now there, there are negatives that come along mm-hmm. from time to time. As I mentioned, there are, there are two other ways for accessing for the blood. Okay. They both involve needles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big needles. Oh, huge. Big needles. Okay. And when they put those needles in, right. they puncture the skin. They go into an right. artery and into a vein mm-hmm. or into a uh, two pieces of tube right Mm -hmm. but when they pull them back out the blood is still flowing so you have to stop the blood from flowing yeah and the way they do that is to put pressure on it okay and um, I'm one of the patients that happens to put my own pressure on my own site so that I stop the blood myself but sometimes after 10 minutes of holding pressure on the blood doesn't stop so you have blood flowing and you have to uh, you have to go through uh, holding it for another 10 minutes or, mm-hmm. or using another method of stopping the blood from flowing. Right. Well, you sound like a pro. Well, let me ask, <laughs> uh, let me ask uh, Sarah Wilbur, our registered nurse, is diet involved here at all? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Yes. What, what kind of diet should people avoid as far as kidney problems are concerned? Well, a low-sodium diet helps everybody because right. it helps to prevent hypertension, more commonly known as high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. It's one of the leading causes of kidney failure in the United States, right. actually in the world. Right. So most Americans consume 7,000 to 8,000 milligrams of sodium a day when the recommendations are less than 1,000 to 2,000. And you know, people, if you look at home at the cans mm-hmm. uh, of, of whatever you buy, soup, tuna fish and stuff, it has the milligrams per serving there. And you'd be amazed some of these things shoot way up. But we're going to find out more about that in just a minute. But first, let me remind our listeners that they're in tune with Radio Rotary on Hudson Valley Talk Radio and around the world by podcast and on iTunes and at www.radiorotary.org. My name is Jonah Trebois and my co-host is the effervescent Sarah O'Connell and our very special guest today, Nurse Sarah Wilba and Rotarian Roger Lane. And tell us, Sarah, who brings us Radio Rotary this week? Well, Jonah, Radio Rotary is sponsored by Rotary International, Rotary District 7210, and the Rotary Clubs of Poughkeepsie Arlington, Brewster Cairo, Congress Valley Cottage, Fishkill, Goshen Highland, Hyde Park, Kingston, and Kingston Sunrise. And we'll be back with more Radio Rotary after these important messages. In 1985, while polio was paralyzing 1,000 children a day, Rotary International committed to a goal, a goal of ending polio worldwide. Very soon now, after contributing nearly $600 million and immunizing over 2 billion children, the goal will be achieved. Eradicating polio worldwide, that is humanity in motion. That is Rotary. For information about Rotary in the Hudson Valley, visit www.rotarydistrict7210.org. 
backed by popular demand. It's Rotary's annual New Year's Eve Millbrook, a free family event for all ages. Join us for a fabulous evening on New Year's Eve Millbrook, December 31st from 4 to 8 p.m. in the heart of Millbrook, New York. Enjoy professional entertainment, music for every taste, magic shows, a circus, fun for everyone. Refreshments available, parking is free. For more information about this free family event, contact info at millbrookrotary.org. That's New Year's Eve Millbrook. Be there. What would you do if a friend, coworker, or a loved one collapsed? Calling 911 alone will not be enough. Over 1,000 people a day die from sudden cardiac arrest. Many can be saved with early intervention. HealthSave offers CPR courses on a daily basis at our facility in Rockland County. We'll come to your home or business if you prefer. Call us toll-free at 877-277-6233. That's 877-277-6233. Or visit our website at healthsave.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-S-A-V.com. Leave the E off of save for emergencies. CPR training is for everyone. Learn CPR. Become a lifesaver. Hudson Valley Talk Radio and online at HudsonValleyTalkRadio.com. Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell, and welcome back to this edition of Radio Rotary. I'm joined by my co-host, Jonah Trebowasser, Jonah Trebowasser, Jonah Trebowasser. All three of me? Just in case you don't remember who you are. And today... I'm at that age where it's happening, you know. (laughs) The senior, the senior member here. (laughs) Um, And Jonah, today our special guests, we're chatting with our fellow Rotarian, Roger Lane, and nurse Sarah Wilbur, who are discussing all the good news about medical updates and transplants and dialyses. Now, I have a question for uh, our nurse friend, uh, Sarah Wilbur. Um, you know, equipment always gets miniaturized and better and lighter and, and more ex- uh, exciting. And more expensive. Um, well, that's true. But um, have dialysis machines improved over the years? It'd be less painful and less draining for the patient? Definitely, yes. Um, right. Years ago, we didn't have the computers we use today. Right. Um, we can set the individual prescription for each patient in their machine for the time they're there mm-hmm. to take off the right amount of fluid weight that we want to remove. And for we can sodium profile. Um, we can set the time and things that help the patient get through with far more comfort than we used to do. We use different kinds of what are called baths to clean the blood compared okay. to what we had years ago. Right. Patients used to be very ill, vomit pass out, um, had many problems years ago. Most of that has been totally eliminated with our new um, equipment. It's come a long way in the years I've been in dialysis. Right. And just to repeat something that you said in the first half of the show, to avoid running at these kind of problems, mm-hmm. you're, you're recommending in your professional capacity a low-sodium diet. Get it salt-free well, as possible. For most people, definitely, yes. It would help everybody whether you have heart problems or, or, not. or yeah. not. Because Americans, yes. as you pointed out in the last segment, consume an unbelievable amount of salt mm-hmm. in their diets a day, on a daily basis. And as Jonah also mentioned, it's very important to read the labels on any type of yeah. processed food, that, that, you know, can of soup mm-hmm. that, you, that you purchase. Mm-hmm. A lot of that very high high salt content. And I think some of the um, uh, manufacturers of food are catching on because you see like, you know, Light, salt, salt free, free this, low um, sodium. Low that. sodium. Yeah, yeah you yeah. see that a lot. Unfortunately, that's not necessarily, that's a misnomer. Was that right? Um, there are no official um, terms from the Food and Drug Administration on how much sodium is in something. If you say low sodium, salt free is different. Mm-hmm. Low sodium can mean it's 100 milligrams less than it normally is. Right. Or it can mean it's 600 less. So you have to be really careful to read the you milligrams. You still have to read. You Definitely. still have to read those labels. It's the sodium in 
iron salt and sodium chloride. That's the problem. I know there's some table salts now that you can buy that are potassium chloride. Is that something people There's still a salt in some ways. And uh-huh. you have to be really careful if you're a dialysis right. patient. Potassium is a no-no, so potassium uh-huh. chloride would be deadlier for oh, you than regular sodium, actually. Right. So are there other dietary restrictions, Roger, or that, you're, that you live with? Roger could certainly oh, answer We do that. live with a lot of dietary restrictions. Can you give some um, examples? I can. Sarah just mentioned potassium. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a number of foods that are very high in potassium that we have to avoid. Everybody knows bananas are right. high in potassium. I was going to say, like a banana. Like a banana or uh-huh. an orange. Oranges oh, are very high right? in potassium. Cantaloupe. Here's, cantaloupe. Here's wow. another big one for you. Potatoes. Is that right? Potatoes and all those are, very are considered high in healthy potassium. foods. Right, yeah. yeah. If it's healthy for you, it's not healthy, necessarily healthy, healthy for, for me. Okay. Tomatoes are high in potassium. So we have to stay away from so, all so those things. So a lot things. of the fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Is, it, is it mainly that? Now, what I was going to jump in a little while ago when you were sure, talking please. about reading the labels. Right. Uh-huh. You don't have to read the label on a tomato or on broccoli uh-huh. Uh-huh. or on um, any of the other fresh vegetables that uh-huh. you find at a, a vegetable stand locally. Okay. That's where I like to get my food. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can avoid a lot of the... Uh, ingredients that we have Absolutely. to stay away from. Now, speaking of food, and speaking of Roger with food, <laughs> of course, Sarah wants to know about when your club meets, where, how, and how the food is at the restaurant. Where do you meet uh, well, at the Catskill we, Rotary? We meet every Tuesday at 1215 <laughs> uh-huh. at the Inn at Leeds. The Inn at now, Leeds? Now, the Inn at Leeds is in Catskill. It's okay. in the town of Catskill, but it's in the hamlet of Leeds on Main Street. Gotcha. And we have a nice uh, meal every noon. It's usually a buffet. Sometimes you get a hot meal. Sometimes you get a, uh, a sandwich and soup. Mm-hmm. Soup and sandwich is great. Oh, that sounds Except yummy. for me. I can't do the soup because that's right. fluid. And mm-hmm. I have a fluid restriction. Mm-hmm. One thing that happens with dialysis patients is that we have to be very careful about the amount of fluid that we intake. Right. Because we stop putting out. Uh-huh. And once you stop putting out... Yeah. Everything that goes in stays, stays there until there. you go for dialysis. Uh, so when the right. doctors say, hey, drink eight glasses of water a day, you don't do that. Not me. Right. Not me. All right. Uh, and uh, so we have 50,000 listeners and many around the world. If we have Rotarians out there who want to do a makeup, again, the Casco Rotary meets at the Inn at Leeds. The Inn at Leeds. Tuesdays for lunch. Tuesdays at 12.15 And they we can start. all be your guest, right, Roger? Absolutely. Anytime. Uh, I welcome every guest. Jonah, if mm-hmm. somebody wanted to know, and they weren't in the Catskill area, how to find out more about Rotary and the fellowship involved or wanted to go to lunch someplace else, what would they do? They would go to rotary.org, R-O-T-A-R-Y.org, click on the club locator button, Type in your hometown and find out where your local Rotary Club meets. Join us for the fun, the fellowship, and the service. And you'll get to meet wonderful people like our guests Roger Lane and Sarah Wilbur discussing dialysis and uh, organ, organ transplant, transplant. which let's was talk. science fiction years ago. And let's talk a little bit more about that, John. Right. Um, you know, we... The, we uh, transplant Dr. programs. Dr. DeBakey and the fellow in South Africa, whose name I've now forgotten, did the first heart transplants, right? Mm-hmm. And now what else is transplant? You know, you hear about corneal transplants for the eyes. What else, uh, Nurse uh, Sarah Wilber? They do lung transplants, um, pancreatic <coughs> transplants, uh, mm-hmm. skin transplant. Liver? Yes, liver, big. Yep. Um, just they amazing. They can transplant corneas in the mm-hmm. eyes. Um, they do full skin transplants today that are very successful for accident or burn victims. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's remarkable. Yeah, and, uh, you know, on a people's driver's license, uh, you can... 
say that you're willing to be a uh, an organ donor. Is it as simple as that? How do, how would you get involved if you wanted to be an organ donor? Yeah. Well, that is one simple way. And, and by signing the driver's license, you actually uh, go into a New York State registry now. Mm-hmm. One of the major changes that took place about two years ago in New York State is that uh, before that point, the family was still involved in making that final decision about transplant. Uh, the way the law is today, once you sign that driver's license or sign the New York State Registry and say that you want to be a donor, the family's position is taken out of that deci- decision. It's your decision. You want to be a donor, you're a donor. What about um, religious objections? Some people may have a religious objections to uh, having uh, almost these things. Uh, almost donated. every religion that a, a normal person would be connected yeah. with is in favor of organ transplantation. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. So we have, uh, what, what kind of people, uh, Nurse Sarah Wilbur, are candidates for an organ donation, an organ transplant? We is it just somebody who's like, well, they've had the first stages of some problem or somebody who's really, really sick? Generally sicker, although we, tr- yeah. we try to send them as early as possible to the transplant centers for evaluation and education. And then the choice is generally made by the physicians there, the transplant doctors and the team. And this sounds like a very, very uh, complicated and long, expensive operation. You know, you hear about teams of doctors doing these, you know, like seven or eight doctors and uh, a whole phalanx of nurses, and it's a, you know, a 12-hour operation. Is that still the case? Um, it's fairly complicated. I couldn't tell how long it was. I don't personally um, do, um, mm-hmm. I'm not involved in transplants. It's fairly complicated, and there's a lot of testing that needs to be done first to make sure the person is a good candidate for a transplant. Some ca- compatibility between the tissues. Yes, and right. also they need to know that... Well, the match they, thing has to happen. There's a match thing. And they also have to be in fairly good health. So they want to make sure they don't have gallbladder problems and things before... Secondary conditions. Yes. That, Infection that, is a, um, a major It's a big problem. one. Is that right? It, yes, because you're immunocompromised. Immunocompre- um, and so therefore, um, the medications that you're going to take is going to... They're going to make your immune system fairly open to other um, infections that oh. come along. We Lower your resistance to like yes. resistance common cold. And no matter how yes. careful they are, it still happens. Uh-huh. Yeah. I can uh-huh. tell you from personal experience. Well, well let's face it. it it's, uh, it's a big deal, and it's a very stressful well, in the minute physically we have, on your body. In, in the minute we have left uh, Roger Lane, as someone who's been the recipient of a transplant, somebody who uh, undergoes dialysis, um, from somebody who may be sitting there listening and has just spoken to that doctor and maybe needs this, needs dialysis, or is a candidate for transplant, um, I can describe that you're hale and hearty. You look great. I know you're very active in your Rotary Club, but from the heart, tell them, has this changed your life for the better? Oh, absolutely. There's, there's no question that being a dialysis patient uh, allows me to live a normal life, a fairly normal life. And without doing the dialysis, I wouldn't have been around. And so that in itself makes, you are. It, makes it positive. In one sentence. <laughs> Rotarian Roger Lane and registered nurse Sarah Wilbur, thank you so much for coming and sharing your stories on Radio Rotary. It's great to talk to you this morning. Thank you so much for coming, both of you. Well, thank you for letting us join you. And Sarah, who do you have to thank for bringing us Radio Rotary this week? Well, Jonah, Radio Rotary is sponsored this week by Rotary International, Rotary District 7210, and the Rotary Clubs of Millbrook, New Windsor, Cornwall, Newburgh, New Paltz, North Rockland, Pleasant Valley, Port Jervis, Red Hook, Rhinebeck, and Southern Ulster. From my co-host Sarah O'Connell, our producer Betty Renner, and our engineer Jay Berzy, this is Jonah Trebowasser thanking you for tuning in and inviting you to join us again next Friday morning at 9 for another edition of Radio Rotary right here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio.
Juddelson, Giordano, and Siegel. CPAPC is a full-service accounting, tax, and business consulting firm. JGS specializes in business succession planning, including ownership transition, management transition, as well as family and non-family transitions. The JGS staff works alongside you to solve the problems of your specific business or personal situation. JGS is conveniently located on Route 211 in Middletown, New York. To learn more, please contact JGS at 845-692-9500 or visit them on the web at www.jgspc.com. Juddelson, Giordano, and Siegel, your essential partner in business.